The Seahawks are not strangers when it comes to drafting players to participate in the Senior Bowl. Who are the 10 best players the Seahawks have picked that participated in Mobile? Nick Lee and I are going to be breaking it all down on a Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, my co-host, Nick Lee. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Senior Bowl finally coming tomorrow. Practices are all in the books. The game is coming in Mobile tomorrow. All eyes will be on over 100 prospects as they look to improve their draft stock heading towards April's big festivities. We'll be looking at the top 10 picks the Seahawks have made with Senior Bowl players under John Schneider and Pete Carroll. Plus, we'll be looking at some of your selections from the Senior Bowl on Fan Fiction Friday, and we'll be starting free agency frenzy with the AFC East, looking at some players that might interest the Seahawks heading towards free agency at the start of the league year in March. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. All eyes will be on over 100 prospects tomorrow when the Senior Bowl All-Star Showcase takes place in Mobile. And this has been an event that John Schneider and Pete Carroll have prioritized above all else in the pre-draft process. They've picked nearly 40 players that participated in the Senior Bowl in their 13 years at the helm. And they're certainly going to be looking closely for some players that they can pick with a bunch of draft picks coming up in April, including four picks in the first and second round. You look back, Nick, and there's obviously been some major busts the Seahawks have picked that have been senior bowl participants, but there have also been some stars, including some that have been picked in recent drafts. And so now we're going to dish out our top 10, and you get the honors here to kick off our top 10 list. Who comes in at number 10 for our Seahawks senior bowl draft picks under John Schneider and Pete Carroll? Well, he might not be considered one of the sexier picks uh, ever made, but the third round of 2020, Damian Lewis, the guard, um, he's just proven that he can be versatile on both sides. He even played a little center. <laughs> he's played in 16 games, two of the of his first three years in the league. Um, yeah, he hasn't got, got you know quite that Pro Bowl pedigree yet, but he's a very solid guard. I, I thought he had a very underrated season this year as well, um, and, and some of the grades kind of kind of flushed that out too. So Damian Lewis is, was a solid, solid pick. You know, not franchise altering, but certainly better than some of the other whiffs they've had. And yeah, still, I could still, I definitely see a 2023 and beyond Seahawks team with Damian Lewis at guard. Yeah, he's still got a chance to be a pillar along this offensive line. I thought he had a nice bounce back third season after injuries caused major problems his sophomore year. He obviously was on the all-rookie team for the Pro Football Writers Association back in 2020. So he's been pretty solid for the Seahawks playing both guard positions. Another player that isn't necessarily a game changer, but has been a really solid value as a former fifth-round pick, and he's on the roster for a second stint, actually had a career high in quarterback pressures this year. Coming in at number nine, Quentin Jefferson. And I think he makes this list in large part because he's had surprising pass rush productivity throughout his career. This is a guy that seems to year after year get a 
tick better getting after the quarterback. And he had a 21% pressure rate in the last five games this season, which was better than Chris Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, and Cam Hayward. So we're talking about three of the best defensive tackles in football at getting after the quarterback. Quentin Jefferson had a higher pressure rate in those last five games. And so he's quietly become a very solid if not rotational player, a guy that could start for some teams and has been invaluable for the Seahawks. So that's great value for a fifth-round pick, especially when you consider that his career didn't necessarily start on the best of terms his first couple of years in the league. Right, and it's interesting. that He probably makes this list now after his 2022 season. Set a career high in five-and-a-half sacks, had six tackles for loss and 13 quarterback hits. Um, and, you know, he didn't play every down, obviously, as well. But certainly he, he entered that conversation, entered the chat, if you will, after this new resurgence um, season with the Seahawks. For number eight for me is another one that's currently on the roster. Unfortunately, won't be on the active roster probably to start the next season. But Jordan Brooks, the linebacker um, out of Texas Tech. And, you know, we, we both we heard the grumblings when the, the draft pick was made. You know, off ball linebacker at 27th overall. But he has done nothing but make tackles. I mean, he is he's just a tackle eating machine. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the the you know sack numbers, only two career sacks and no career interceptions. So he's not, you know, that necessarily that huge playmaker, but he's making tackles and in bunches and volumes. He led the NFL in solo tackles in 2021 and had 161 this past season. Unfortunately, with that injury to to end the season. Um, is a real, real bummer. He's going to have a hard time having a fourth straight 100-tackle season next year, but really off to a great start in his career. Yeah, it's unfortunate that the injury happened, but over 400 tackles in his first three seasons, he's been a starter for most of that time. So you keep hoping that more of those impact plays are going to come, and maybe they will when he gets back from this injury. But that's the reason that he comes in at eight and Jaron Reed comes in at number seven, because Jaron Reed made those impact plays. Now, there were inconsistency issues early on in his career. He was just a run stuffer, early down player. By his third season, he had double-digit sacks, however, and he finished with six and a half sacks his final year in Seattle. So this is a player that had more than 20 sacks during his time, and he came into the league known for his run-stopping ability. Jaron Reed ended up becoming a very solid player. Not quite a pro bowler, not quite an all-pro talent, but he was a top-10 defensive tackle for a couple years for the Seahawks in the middle, and they could use somebody disruptive like that right now. It's unfortunate that... His price tag was too expensive. He wasn't willing to take a pay cut, so the Seahawks moved on from a couple years ago, but had a really good run in six seasons with the Seahawks. Played really well for them after they moved up to get him in the second round in the draft. And so he is one of the better values that they've had coming out of the Senior Bowl and certainly turned in a fantastic week in Mobile to bolster his draft status. And the Seahawks sure could use 2018 Jaron Reed right about now. Yes. Um, for number six, might raise some eyebrows, but this guy, it, it, you, the, the sky, the, the ceiling is the roof or whatever Michael Jordan said. He really is like the sky is the limit with Tariq Woolen. And who would have thought here we'd be here, you know, uh, May, June, July of last of last year after they selected him, you know, we're, oh yeah, he's, you know, super great athlete, but very much a prospect, very much raw project. Boy, did that, he, did he turn into an electric defensive back in the NFL quickly. No one in the entire NFL had more interceptions than his six. I still contend a defensive rookie of the year snub. I get the sauce Gardner, New York thing. And, and, and maybe if, if Tariq Wollin was a higher draft pick and maybe it has a bit more brash of a personality, um, he wins that award. But 
um, to, to no fault of his own, easily on his way to becoming a, the next great Seahawks corner, if not already there. He's only going to get better. He's just an insanely amazing athlete. He's he's not even human. I think we all know he's he's actually Navi from the Avatar. Yeah, he's Reek the Freak. That's the one that he prefers. But Avatar is the other nickname going around. He certainly is that. And it, it might surprise some he's this high on the list, but he's already a pro bowler. Maybe he wins the AP Defensive Rookie of the Year award. We don't know yet. Uh, there's been times where there's been different award winners for different publications. So I guess we'll see, but a great start to his career after turning some heads in mobile just one year ago. And then coming in number five, I'm going to be honest, this list started to get kind of difficult here with these next couple guys, because I think you could make an argument. Tyler Lockett deserves to be higher than number five. And at the same token, he was not a great receiver necessarily his first three or four years in the league. The last four years, he's been a thousand yard player with at least eight touchdowns every season. So he has been as reliable as any receiver in the league. And so for that reason, he comes in at number five. We know the special teams impact that he made early in his career, his rookie season as a first team all pro kick returner. And so he's got some accolades to his name, but at the same time, he's never been a pro bowler as a receiver. And the guy that I know you and I tasseled a little bit with on this, but at number four, at least made a pro bowl at his actual position on the defensive side of the ball. And that's KJ Wright. Yeah. In 2016 had a fantastic year, 126 tackles, four sacks, and, and certainly a, 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 I don't know if dark horse is the right word, but certainly a guy that should get, get, get consideration for, you know, ring of honor. I think he's just a fantastic player. Um, and, and of course he, he's still very present in the Seattle sports scene on, on radio and stuff like that. And um, just a, overall, just a classy guy as well. But consistent, he was definitely the 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 Robin to bought the Bobby Wagner's Batman, which is no slight on him. You know, Robin has his day in the sun too, <laughs> in, in some in some movies and some comics. But uh, KJ Wright absolutely um, was one of the better picks, just where he came from and and how and how productive he was and how reliable he was. Even though, again, did maybe not the the sexiest numbers and you know uh, as far as you know pass rush or all that stuff, but just steady, consistent, and classy presence. For, for a better part of a decade. And our final three, I think you could make an argument. It's 1A, 1B, and 1C. I think you can make arguments for all three players as Hall of Famers, although the guy that we picked at number three, I don't know if his prime was quite long enough to get into the Hall, though Richard Sherman was as good as any corner we have ever seen in a four or five year period with the interceptions and having a no fly zone and quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers just simply avoiding him like the plague. And so Richard Sherman with that boulder on his shoulder, former receiver turned corner goes in the fifth round. He's not fast enough. He's not quick enough to play corner. And all he did is just rack up interceptions and bunches. We know the famous tip play in the NFC championship game against the 49ers. So there may be some fans who think he deserves to be higher on this list. The issue of course, is that he is kind of a borderline hall of famer. And I think the other two players that we have here wrapping up our list Again, you could say 1A and 1B. Both of them look like they have slam dunk candidacies. Even if one of them had a bad first season in Denver, they have slam dunk candidacies to make the hole. Yeah, just one quick thing on Sherman. As far as the, the top three here, he probably, I think, has the best chance of the three to have a statue someday, just of the tip itself, just how iconic of a play that was for, for Seattle history. Um, so, yeah, Richard Sherman deserving there. But Bobby Wagner... Um, was number two. I really struggled not putting him number one just because I think he is more of a shoe in 
Hall of Famer at his own position than I do Russell Wilson. Um, but obviously, I think they're both probably going to get in. But six-time first-team All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, still playing at a high level. And talk about a boulder on your shoulder. I think it grew to uh, Mount Rainier size when the Seahawks let him go. Um, but in either in either case, I mean, you can't argue just the, the, the sheer talent, the sheer production of, of Bobby Wagner. Just I love uh, one of my like just favorite things, whether it be baseball or, or football. I love going in their reference page and just seeing all the bold and all the highlights and the yellow yeah. thing like Barry Bonds. I just sometimes when I'm bored, I go see Barry Bonds' baseball reference page just because I'm bored. Ted Williams. Same thing with Bobby Wagner. Just you look, it's as bold up and down, AP Pro Bowl, all the, or AP First Team All Pro. I mean, just you name an accolade, Bobby Wagner has it. Easily one of the best off-ball linebackers we have ever seen. Yeah, and you know, Russell Wilson doesn't have the All Pros. And so, again, you can make the, the argument that Bobby Wagner should be number one on this list. But this is about positional value. And we're talking about quarterback, the most important position in sports. And Russell Wilson, he owns every single passing record in Seahawks history. A third-round pick that comes right in and takes the starting job week one and leads the Seahawks to the playoffs. Then they win the Super Bowl in his second season. The dynamic running ability, one of the few quarterbacks in the league with 4,000 career rushing yards. And I know for fans it's difficult because of the way things ended. And now that he's in Denver forcing his way out and the bad season that he had with the Broncos last year, there's a lot of bad taste in the mouths of the 12s out there. But there will come a time, and some fans already feel this way anyway, there's going to come a time where fans are going to open back up again and, and be like, look at what Russell Wilson accomplished. 292 passing touchdowns in 10 seasons for the Seahawks. Almost 40,000 passing yards. Didn't throw a lot of interceptions. Eight-time Pro Bowlers. So, yeah, he deserves to be one of these top two spots. I just think quarterback always comes in first. Coming up next is Fan Fiction Friday, and we're going to pose the question, which Senior Bowl prospects do the fans want to see the most in a Seahawks uniform with first and second round picks? We'll get to those proposals coming up next here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As you get rolling in a new year, you need the right people on your team to help your small business click on all cylinders. And LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years. And LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find top candidates in sports media Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond the world's largest professional network of over 800 people. You can add your tag to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. It's your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined on today's show by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether it's your first time listening to Locked on Seahawks or your regular listener, we greatly appreciate you. Let's get to Fan Fiction Friday. This is a new segment we started a couple weeks ago. We've had a lot of fun looking at top free agents from the championship games that should become Seahawks and, and looking at different things of that nature. And this week's topic, because it's Senior Bowl week, Nick, it's time to discuss the prospects that the fans would like to see 
in Seahawks uniforms. And the only rules that they had is they had to use two of Seattle's first four selections. They have two first-round picks, two second-round picks. Two of those picks have to be used on senior bowl players. So I'm going to throw this out here right now. We had a lot of different responses, over 90 on YouTube and Twitter. Over 75 of them had John Michael Schmitz as one of the two picks. So there are many of you that turned in submissions that are not going to make the show today because, quite frankly, this is not going to be locked on John Michael Schmitz, although I think Nick would probably enjoy that if we turned it into that today. Outstanding prospect. But we want to take a look at some of the different responses that we received that maybe didn't have Minnesota Center on there. But we got to get a couple in there because he's a fantastic player. And the first submission that we got, pick number 20, John Michael Schmitz, and pick number 52, Andre Carter, the second from Army. Didn't look like he was going to get a chance to play in the league with the new legislation they were trying to pass. But, Nick, let's talk John Michael Schmitz here because he has had a fantastic week in Mobile. I've been reading all the different stuff from a number of people I trust that are there that watch the practices. He was dominant from the start to the finish, and that really shouldn't surprise anybody given what he did in the rugged Big Ten as a multi-year starter. Man, if I if I had to pick one draft crush, I know I've been high on Jalen Carter, but that's everybody's draft crush. John Michael Smith is, is my guy. First of all, I am done with the Seahawks doinking around at center. I really am. And Austin Blythe was 36th in center among centers in pro football-focused overall grade. There's only 32 teams! Just get this guy. This guy, he will anchor this offensive line. John Michael Schmitz at 20, I think, is a great spot. I know that for some that might be a bit of a reach, but to get your franchise center, a, a difference maker, not just a guy that might get it in the way of the interior defensive line every once in a while, but a guy that will attack and make a difference. A Jason Kelsey, perhaps. You know, we've seen that with the Eagles. We've seen or Creed Humphrey as well. I mean, you see two fine centers there in the Super Bowl. You really, you really got to take a chance, or not a chance. This guy's maybe not sure things never a thing in the draft, but John Michael Smith is a stud, and I think number twenty would be a great place to get him. And you got to get a franchise cornerstone center to eventually, I think, block for a rookie quarterback, and I think that's a great start. Yeah, and as for Andre Carter out of Army, this is a player that has been electric playing for a school that doesn't kick out very many NFL prospects and legitimate 255, 260-pound edge rusher. Now, he has had some uh, – his eyes have been awakened a little bit, I guess is the best way to put it this week. He's had some difficulty with the top tackles he's been going up against, but you can also see the elite burst off the edge, and I think he's got the skill set to be – an outside linebacker in a 3-4 defense. Seattle certainly could use another outstanding pass rusher to go with Lieutenant Nuosu and Daryl Taylor. And I think he's got enough size to be able to handle his own against the run as well. And so he has been a popular player to be mocked in the Seahawks. And I think right now he is squarely a second-round selection, especially with the way things have gone in Mobile. If he has a big game tomorrow, maybe he can squeeze into the first round, uh, but certainly an intriguing pass rusher. The other one that we got with John Michael Schmitz, this one I call the beef bowl here with Osiris Torrance and John Michael Schmitz at number 20 and number 37. And as much as I love John Michael Schmitz, I am a huge fan of Osiris Torrance. And we're talking about a 347 pound guard that has quick feet. He can get downhill. He can win in the zone game with lateral quickness. 
I think he's had some issues at times. You can see with his footwork and pass protection, and yet he didn't give up a sack in his entire collegiate career at Louisiana Lafayette and last year at Florida. This guy is a tank, both in pass protection and run blocking. To me, he's the clear number one guard in this class. I think he could sneak into the top 15 potentially, especially if he tests well at the combine. He's had a really good week in Mobile too, so he'd be a lot of fun. You put him and Michael Schmitz together with Damian Lewis and the two other tackles they just drafted, that offensive line has a chance to be a special unit. Man, if they can somehow get Torrance at 20 and, and Schmitz at 37, I am doing cartwheels out in the backyard. I, I will I will run down the street, not you know, properly clothed, but in the rain. I, I will whatever. That would be and that we're talking about offensive line here, which is which is so nerdy, but those two would be amazing. Oh, Torrance is I, I would argue maybe one of the not best, if not the best run blocker in this draft. He he could be that that good. Pro Bowl guard potential. I mean, that would be an amazing, this scenario might be my favorites. The, the, just the two anchors in the interior line. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, kudos to Cameron McPherson on that one. Our first one, we had like six different people submit those. So not going to be citing all six of you, but that was the most common one with Michael Schmitz and Andre Carter, but a credit to Cameron McPherson there going with the beef and really upgrading the offensive line. This one coming from Doug on YouTube. This one was exciting because there's a little controversy here. I picked number 20, one of the first rounders. Let's get another receiver to go with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and Rasheed Rice out of SMU. He's one of my favorite receivers in this class. Six foot three can win vertically, can create after the catch. And Nick, another offensive lineman that I know that you have a lot of excitement about if they can't get their hands on John Michael Schmitz. Cody Mock out of North Dakota State. I've made the joke. He looks like he should be on the show Vikings. He's missing teeth. He's got long blonde hair. But this kid can play football, and he's a versatile blocker that could play both guard spots. He's played tackle in the, at college. Maybe he's a tackle in the NFL, but I think he's a better guard prospect, which would fit Seattle's needs. Yeah, can he? Uh, is he busy during the winter? Can he be an enforcer for the Kraken? I mean, that's just kind of what he looks like. Um, uh, Alexiak might have a thing or two to say about that with the Kraken. Anyway, um, for Rice's sake, I mean, you like production. You got it. 1,355 yards, 10 touchdowns, and 12 yeah. games uh, for SMU this past year. Um, definitely went to the school of DK Metcalf as far as size and athleticism. But he also went to the school of DK Metcalf as far as limited route tree and uh, some of the drop issues. Um, but there's a ton of upside there, an absolute ton of upside. And if he's, he's probably projects as a high two, like number two receiver or low uh, number one receiver someday, he's that good. He's got that much, uh, you know, uh, upside six, three, two Oh six. He's drawing comparisons to Chris Godwin from the bucks. I would not hate this pick if they can truly get a blue chip, you know, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson higher in the draft. Um, but if, if they trade down and, and get someone a little, Less exciting, and then Rasheed Rice. I mean, I, that's I, I receiver isn't their top top you know need. But if you can, if you feel good about what you've got so far, and Rasheed Rice is there, and you feel good about him as a bringing him in, and he realizes his potential, and you have him as your third option at receiver, woo! Any quarterback would be lucky to have those three. We just talked beef on the offensive line. I got to give credit in this one to Daryl Basaki on Twitter. 
going with beef on the defensive side of the football. And we know the Seahawks could certainly use help in the interior on their defensive line. At pick number 37, going with Byron Young, the one from Alabama, not the one from Tennessee. The Tennessee one is an edge rusher, a little bit lighter. But Byron Young, a 290-plus defensive tackle that can play five tech as well. He's got big end built all over him, could play three, four defense of this size as well. And at number 52, 335 pound nose slash defensive tackle Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin. If we're being honest here, Nick, I actually think these probably should be flipped. I think Benton's probably who I would pick at number three, seven, because this is a guy that had some pass rushing productivity at Wisconsin at 335 pounds. He's a surprisingly good athlete and good luck running the football at this guy. He is a great wall of Madison there in the middle for the Badgers. And so we know the Seahawks need any help they can get with run defense. Benton might be one of your top three options at the nose tackle position in this draft when it comes to stuffing the run. And there appears to be some pass rushing upside with him as well. Both these guys are going to have a chance to go in the first two rounds. I just don't know that I would necessarily agree with the order of these two. I think Young's probably your late second, early third of these two players. Yeah, I know there are some limited parameters as far as this game goes with needing the first four picks and senior bowl players. But yep. Yeah, I, I I get it. I think that's that's probably true. I'm not sure I would take Byron Young at 37 if he was there. Um, but I think he would be there at 52. And yeah, again, he, he's a guy, I think he, he's got, got the size, got the girth and a guy that can pretty much do it all. He's, he's not, he's not one of those guys that's a primary run stuff where he has a bit of a dynamic, but when you talk about Benton, is it replacing Al Woods perhaps? And again, I, I'm going to keep throwing this out there. Not that I want this to, you know, I, ho I hope, you know, they can work it out, but you save three three point six million off the cap by cutting out Woods, and if you get a guy like this in there, that that there's your guy. There's your, and all of a sudden you have not only a nose tackle that has his own gravitational pull, but a guy that does have some pass rushing skills. So that's a great combo. I think these are, these would be two fantastic picks, but I also agree flipped because I'm going to get really annoying, like I said earlier in the week about defensive line, dynamic defensive line, and I was really happy to hear Pete Carroll kind of echo that sentiment. Our last one here on Fan Fiction Friday, real quick, coming from Tim Vincent on YouTube. This one's got an edge guy, and it's also got a safety, which you want to you want to really create chaos in the draft this year with Jamal Adams' injuries and Quandre Diggs getting his big contract. Ryan Neal's going to be a restricted free agent. They've got a lot of safety talent, so that might not necessarily seem like a position of need, and yet with the injuries – if you're looking for a player, I don't want to make Cam Chancellor comparisons because I don't know that we'll ever see another Cam Chancellor, but J.L. Skinner out of Boise State at pick number 37, if he is still there at that point, I think he has a chance to go in the first round. We're talking a guy that's six foot four, has really good ball skills, has a bunch of interceptions at Boise State. He can play in the box. I don't think he can play the single high safety stuff, but he's not going to need to because this guy is your prototypical modern strong safety that has enough positional versatility. You can move him around, ball skills, run stuffing ability. He looks like a complete package at that spot, a game changer that you can really use as a chess piece. If he's still there at 37, Pete Carroll and John Schneider are going to have a very hard time not pulling the trigger. Yeah, if they take him at 37, I think Jamal Jamal Adams is going to be uh, looking, at, looking at, over his shoulder because he is very – Kind of projects very similarly, but he even stated Skinner uh, that he models his game after Cam Chancellor. And how poetic would it be 
for him to, to come to Seattle. And as far as Keon White, I mean, he just oozes traits you want along the defensive line. He, he's He's got the size, the length. We've seen him covering running backs and wheel routes successfully. Um, he's got the athleticism to boot. Um, 20th overall might be a little rich for my blood there. Um, he, he is very much a, pro, a project and raw. Um, I do. I did kind of have this thought that perhaps he could be a type of Tariq Woolen you know, version in the defensive line where he's very raw, very much a project, but has all the physical traits in the world. And maybe he's from the same Navi tribe that Tariq Woolen is from. But um, he, so he, with where the Seahawks are, where you think they're just a few premier pieces away from really being a threat in the NFC, I don't want to take on a ton of projects. Um, but White absolutely has the, the skill set. He did he was decently productive as well. But um, with those two, it, it, you get Skinner, who's a dynamic safety. This would be a fun, explosive duo on the defense. Yeah, I would not be upset about either one of these selections because White looks like he's going to be a really good fit in a 3-4 that can rush the passer, can stop the run, and Skinner's just a freak. And again, the Seahawks, they are very attracted to those kinds of players as they should be, and they've had a lot of success for the most part with players like that. And so Skinner would make a lot of sense, especially with Ryan Neal going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. Having more safety depth, that is not a bad problem. And they might have some really tough decisions to make with their star safeties coming up in the next year or two as well. Coming up next, we're going to shift gears from Senior Bowl into free agency. We're going to start our free agency frenzy with the AFC East. Nick and I are going to look at a player on each team from the division that might pique the Seahawks' interest heading into free agency. We'll get to those selections coming up here in a moment on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you away by TurboTax. Go to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Meet with an expert who will do them for you. TurboTax experts can relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you can do not taxes. Show your eyes things that are not taxes. Unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Sing not taxes. A lullaby. Taxes tonight. Grab and ride the sunset with TurboTax. An expert will do your taxes from start to finish, ensuring your taxes are done right so you can relax. Feels good to be done with your taxes, doesn't it? Come to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Into a TurboTax, full service products only. Video meeting while expert does your taxes are required. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com guarantees. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined on today's show by my co-host, Nick Lee. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Going to shift gears now. We haven't talked much about free agency at this point, and it's crazy to think about this, Nick, but we're really five and a half, six weeks away from the start of the new league year. It is going to be the start of free agency before you know it, and so it's time to start taking a look and some of the players that are going to be hitting the market around the league. And as we do each and every year, we're going to break it down by divisions for free agency frenzy. We're going to start out of conference in the AFC with the AFC East. And I'm going to be honest with you, Nick, out of all seven divisions away from the NFC West, this might be the division with the least appealing free agents set to hit the market. This was a very difficult one for me to find candidates that looked appealing for the Seahawks to sign in free agency, if I'm being brutally honest. Yeah, and that's it. just looking through some of those teams that there's some lean pickings, but one that is not, at least for me, was the Buffalo Bills. And one guy, specifically Tremaine Edmonds. 
and he is a fantastic linebacker. The Seahawks are going to need an insurance policy with Jordan Brooks down for who knows how long. I'm going to plan for the worst and say it's the majority of next season, and you need a proven veteran linebacker who's productive. And get this, Tremaine Edmonds, you know, five, five fine seasons in the NFL, two Pro Bowl seasons in 19 and 20, five straight seasons to start his career of 100-plus tackles. He is younger than Jordan Brooks. <laughs> it's kind of wild to think that. So he has a ton of good football still left in him. So I, I would love Tremaine Edmonds. That would be a huge, huge get. Obviously, it would, it would be on the more expensive side of things. But when you think about how long the Seahawks are probably going to be without Jordan Brooks, you need a tackle machine there. And I think he's even a bit more of a playmaker than Jordan Brooks can be up in the middle. So, And then when he comes back, you know, if you can sign Tremaine Evans for a couple of years, boom, you have maybe one of the better inside off-linebacker duos in all of football. He's one of those players that seems like he came out of the womb and put an NFL helmet on. And that's why he's only 24 years old. But he has been in the league for a long time to be that young. But he's so athletic. He can blitz. He can cover. He can wreak havoc as a run defender. It feels like he still has not reached his potential yet, even though he's been in the league for five seasons. So it would be a costly addition, but at the same time, that is a game changer. Look at the rest of the players that are going to be hitting free agency. There's not another guy on Buffalo's roster that necessarily has that game changer label that's going to be available to sign in free agency, unless he wanted Jordan Poyer in Seattle, as we just mentioned, doesn't need another veteran safety. So I went with Devin Singletary just because this is a guy that's had over 800 rushing yards each of the last two seasons. He's short, compact, can run between the tackles. He's proven that he can handle a full workload when he needs to. He's been a solid receiving option out of the backfield as well. You're not going to mistake him as Christian McCaffrey, but this is a guy that could be the third down back compliment to go with Ken Walker the third if he wanted to go the free agent route. I don't know that Seattle will, but Singletary was number two on my list. There is a very large gap between him, though, and Edmonds coming in at number one. Now, going to the New England Patriots, this one was the second worst, and I'll get to the worst one later, but there's just not a lot of options that are appealing on the free agent list for the New England Patriots. But one name did jump out to me, and this would be one of those one-year flyers on a guy that hasn't performed at the NFL level like I expected he would coming out of Vanderbilt a couple years ago, and that's Juwan Williams. He's a six-foot-three corner, long arms, had a really productive career in the SEC, but he has only started a handful of games. He missed all last season with a shoulder injury has no interceptions, hasn't gotten his hands on the football a lot. It just didn't work out as New England hoped it would. And yet I look back at the tape at Vanderbilt and I saw a guy that could be a really good NFL corner and Seattle, they've got a track record of taking guys like that and turning them into really good players. Why not bring him in to compete against Mike Jackson and Trey Brown? I don't think it's going to cost a lot of money to sign him. If New England's not going to bring him back, I think there's a chance he hits the market because it just didn't work out in Foxborough. I think Juwan Williams is worth at least taking a shot in the dark on a one-year deal. And maybe DJ Reed kind of vibes. We'll see. Um, Nelson Aguilar is my guy. I, I try to go receiver. And Jacoby Myers was obviously the guy that jumped out at me. But I think he's going to be a little too expensive to bring in as your third best receiver. Because let's be honest, even though he was probably the, the Patriots' best off, uh, option, that doesn't necessarily mean he's the number one receiver in the NFL. In fact, he is not. He's not a true number one receiver in the NFL. That doesn't mean he's, you know, he's not worth it. But for me, it's Nelson Aguilar. I just like the the veteran presence that he brings. Yes, uh, 
as a dad who having a dad who is an Eagles fan, he's much maligned by that fan base by <laughs> some of the drops he had. There's a famous clip from an affiliate an Eagles fan that was saying they were catching babies from a fire um, from from a family their family that was feeding people out of, of a building. He's like, yeah, we were catching them, unlike Aguilar. He had to like point that out. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, just a veteran guy who's who's been pretty steady, and and you know with with how hapless their offense was at times in New England this past year, 362 yards, two touchdowns couple years removed from 473 yards. He's had some productive years. Obviously, you're not bringing him in to be the guy or even the second or maybe even third guy, but a veteran presence, and let's be honest, kind of slim pickings in New England. But I'll take Aguilar from there as a veteran guy. I felt like that roster in free agency, though, had juggernauts compared to our next team here. The Miami Dolphins, I think, are in pretty good shape in terms of what they're going to be bringing back next year because their free agency list was basically Mike Giusecki and then a bunch of guys that are above 30 or young players that have done absolutely nothing in the NFL. There's just not a lot of options that really jumped out to me. Like, you know, the Seahawks would be wise to take a look at that player, but I do know that there was a running back that you thought, you know what, we've seen the Seahawks have to tackle him and struggle with that in the past. Maybe why not bring him in and put him with Ken Walker the third? Yeah, he ended up being kind of a... Uh, casualty to the Christian McCaffrey trade for the 49ers, and that's Jeff Wilson, uh, the running back. I, I really like the he, – he's never really been the guy, but he had 860 yards and five touchdowns this year in kind of a reserve role. Um, and, you know, the Seahawks don't need a guy, you know, a number one running back. And But uh, Ken Walker III is definitely going to need a sidekick, and I think Jeff, Jeff Wilson can be that guy. He had 185 – Receiving yards this year, he can do a little bit in the passing game, maybe on third down as well. Um, you're not you're not going to get a dynamic, you know, game changing running back, but certainly a, some depth would be nice because you know you're you're losing Rashad Penny and Travis Homer this offseason, most likely. Um, I, I'm not sure I see either of those guys coming back, and maybe maybe Homer, but um, Jeff Wilson would be a guy that you'd sign as as a solid depth piece. He's still pretty young, had his age 27 year last this past season, so not not old, but you know, we know how running backs go, but had a career year and by his standards, 860 rushing yards. So uh, a nice depth piece to go with Ken Walker, perhaps. He's a hammer. I like the way that he runs. He's got that violent, angry running style. And so I could see him fitting in in Seattle. It would make some sense. I think he's going to end up staying in Miami, though, because he's got a really good relationship with McDaniel from their time together in San Francisco. If he does go somewhere else, maybe Seattle looks at him and they're familiar with him from his time with the 49ers. I went with a veteran that has not played more than seven games in any of the past three seasons because that's really the slim pickings we're looking at with the Miami Dolphins. I mean, Mike Giusecki, I think, is probably the best player they have hitting free agency, but Seattle doesn't need a tight end. Trey Flowers, four years ago, was one of the best all-around defensive linemen in the NFL with the New England Patriots. The Lions gave him a big contract. He was really good the start of his first season there, and then he got hurt. Next season, he got hurt again after only a handful of games. And then this past season, he played in four games for the Miami Dolphins. There's a reason I have a picture of him in a Lions uniform on our YouTube video because he played like 10 snaps for the Miami Dolphins. So it has been a long time since this guy was a great football player in the NFL. He's played well when he's been healthy, but that has been difficult for him to attain. So you don't normally pursue guys like that in free agency, but he might be a player if you can get him for veteran minimum, and that might be all he can get at this point. 
He has played in a 3-4 with the New England Patriots. I think he can play that three-tech or five-tech position that the Seahawks are going to be looking for some reinforcements on. And if you could get him healthy, I think he could still be a really good player. He's only 29, so he's not an ancient player. But he's just had issues with injuries the last three years. So, again, I'm not necessarily advocating for this signing, but he would be a player that would be worth a flyer on compared to the rest of their free agency list. And last but not least, the New York Jets. They had kind of an upstart season but still missed the playoffs. Nick, you and I went a little different direction in this one. I went at linebacker. We talked about the need at that position. Quincy Williams is not a big linebacker by any means. He's listed 5'11", 225 pounds. I think he's a little bit bigger than that. But this player has had over 100 tackles each of the last two seasons. He's had five sacks combined in those two seasons, so he can blitz some. He forced three fumbles in 2021. He can play special teams. Seattle needs depth at that position just as much as they need starters with Jordan Brooks being out. And this is a guy that has started games. He has played on special teams. He's been very productive on one of the best defenses in the NFL. Sign me up. He's a young player, too, to go with it. For me, this is a guy that that could maybe offer as a replacement for Puna Ford, and that's Sheldon Rankins, the defensive interior defensive lineman for the Jets. Um, yeah, he's – He's got three sacks and four tackles for loss this past season, seven quarterback hits, and he'll he'll flip between the three-tech and the five-tech. Um, I like that he's got a little bit of the pass rush ability from that position. He's not, you know, premier pass rusher by any means, but I, I'd like to – I would have liked to see a lot more pass rush um, from Puna Ford. Um, and so this year I think this this could be a guy who, who could replace him 15 games. Yeah, he had, he had a pretty solid career, solid season. He actually had eight sacks in 2018 for the Saints. So he, he does have – uh, pass product pass production against the you know, pass rush. So Sheldon Rankins would be a guy for me. Again, I'm going to be annoying this offseason defensive line and dynamic defensive lineman at that. And I think Sheldon Rankins, while he's not, you know, the, the Uber dynamic, you know, sleek and, or, or giant, you know, dynamic, you know, Aaron Donald type. I think he's got enough of, you know, dual threat run stop pass rush to be a very interesting uh, a look for the Seahawks. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at NickLee51. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on Monday, Rob Rang and I'll be diving into some more mock drafts on Mock Draft Monday and continuing our look at Seattle's upcoming free agents. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy your weekend, and thanks for listening. Go Hawks.